Hello, and welcome to Ashley Asti Live. I am Ashley Asti. So I've been teaching yoga for a little over a month now and recently came out with a new book called Yoga Heart Songs, which is a collection of poetry and an ode to the journey that yoga takes us on, on and off our mats. And so what I wanted to talk about today is what gets us onto our yoga mats for the first time. And maybe not just our yoga mats, but what is the tipping point that leads us to take any healing step for the first time in our lives? And I want to share some of the tidbits of wisdom that I've learned from teaching over this month or so about tenacity and love and touch. Um, so let's jump into it. So my yoga journey began when I was about 17. I had got a yoga DVD and I rolled out my yoga mat in my parents' living room and watched it and loved it. I was a competitive gymnast growing up and so I just thought, oh, yoga felt like a natural fit. It was about the workout, it was about being flexible and I felt like I was dancing on my mat, which I loved. And then I went to college and I continued to take yoga classes at my school and towards my senior year I began venturing into a studio. But it wasn't really until I graduated college that I committed to a studio and started going every day. Um, <laughs> it was a, you know, as most people get their start, it was a hot yoga studio. And uh, I remember one morning being on my mat, it was like a 7 a.m. class, and there was a sub as a teacher, and I didn't really like the sub. So when I saw her walk in, I was like, ugh, <laughs> I didn't really want to be there. And so I didn't really believe in God at that time. But I remember the words through my head and it was like, God, please give me something to make this class worth it. And the moment I said that, it was like a minute before class was starting, the door opened one last time and in walks this tanned, chiseled God of a man who was also in his 20s, it looked like. And there were lots of open spots in the room, but he walked right next to me put his mat down and stared into my eyes for what felt like an eternity. And then we started practicing. Um, so needless to say, <laughs> I kept coming back <laughs> to meet him. Um, you couldn't, you know, I wouldn't exactly call that yoga of the soul, <laughs> but it was a start. But since that time, my yoga practice has evolved into something that has become deeply personal and also deeply connected to the world around me and to the planet. It has been a journey into the sacred stillness and silence within me. It has given me a sense of community and love that I didn't expect, a sense of purpose now as a teacher. And when I wrote uh, my book, I wrote in the introduction that, you know, yoga changed my life. And I used to hear that line often from people. You'd ask them like, oh, why'd you get into yoga? And, and they'd tell you a story and they'd say, yoga changed my life. And I used to think it was kind of a line <laughs> until I experienced it for myself. And so I think everyone has a different reason for whether it's showing up on a yoga mat for the first time or taking any other healing step for themselves. And I think it all has to do with the divine timing, that there's nothing that we can force or think our way into that the wisdom of yoga comes through an experience. 
Any healing is the true experience that is experienced in the soul, in the heart, and not something that we can fully ever grasp with our minds. So one of the first days that I was teaching yoga, I had gotten to the studio early to make sure I could figure everything out. And um, I was there by myself and a, a woman walked in. She wanted some information about the studio and I asked her, had she ever done yoga? She said no. So I smiled and started telling her about it. And I took her over to the practice room. I showed her where the bathroom was. I just wanted her to feel comfortable and acquainted in not only what was a new space, but what might be unfamiliar territory. It, it takes some guts to walk into a yoga studio by yourself for the first time. And so she asked me lots of questions. She wanted to know what type of clothes to wear. Do they have to be loose? <laughs> Does she have to bring a towel? Will she need lots of water? And of course, I answered all of these questions. But I felt like there was some energy that was still lingering. And because I truly feel this about the studio where I teach, I, I decided to sort of spur of the moment, add one more thing. And I just said, you're going to feel supported here in loving community. And the moment I said those things, she started crying, and she told me that she lost her mom in October. And it made me feel or realize, what else is yoga for if not to help us heal from grief? To help us move through mourning of something that we lost, of something that a relationship gone, a job passed, of something that we longed for but never got. Because yoga is not just about twisting us into pretzel shapes, but finding that space of peace within, about letting go of all we've been carrying, holding in our hands, on our shoulders, in our hearts, about setting us free. You never wish for it to be death that brings us to yoga, but yoga does have the transformative power to help us find life again. And so for this woman, that was her tipping point that got her into the studio for the first time that maybe, you know, six months before she would not have done that even intellectually, if she knew yoga offers peace, she wasn't ready. And I was thinking that the other day when I taught a restorative yoga class, which at least in its intentions is supposed to be very relaxing, you're supported by bolsters and blankets and you hold poses for a while, just sort of laying on the floor. And so a whole family came in, which was sweet, a mom with her four daughters and um, they'd never, none of them had ever been to yoga before. So I loved that they came in together and I taught the class, and afterwards, one of the daughters, who looked like she was about 15, came up to me and said, oh, I feel really relaxed. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad. Um, I'm so glad you came. And she said, oh, I really needed that. And she started to tell me how she's been experiencing anxiety, and she said, really bad. And her doctor, out of desperation, finally recommended that she comes to yoga. And I was so grateful for the way at, you know, around 15 years old, she had been so present in that yoga class, which is sometimes hard to maintain that stillness when you're experiencing anxiety. It's hard to get still and to get quiet. But she had been so deep inside presence that she was able to feel the wisdom of yoga that afterwards she knew with awareness in her body that she was more peaceful and that she trusted me enough to share her story with me and what she's going through and why she came. 
And also what a blessing it was that she had a family who was willing to show up with her, who could afford to send all of them to yoga together, um, that that was a real blessing. There's a song by Trevor Hall called You Can't Rush Your Healing. And every time I listen to it, I'm intrigued by it. what does it mean, trying to make sense of it in my own life. And I feel like that's the essence of what we're talking about here is that in any healing step in your life, there's nothing that you can force or rush and that patience is truly the essence there, that no one can make you ready before you're ready and that anything that's really going to move us forward or rather deeper within in our lives, a closer connection to who we truly are, is something that's going to happen in its own divine timing and spontaneously. And you never know what it is that's going to tip us there. But I just encourage you to listen to the signs along the way. Because for someone who chooses yoga, maybe it's because they had a friend who kept talking about it or they heard it on TV. Maybe there were signs along the way that pointed them to yoga. Or for someone else, maybe there are signs that point them to acupuncture or meditation or whatever it might be. So just keep listening and know that you are supported. Trust that the signs that come to you are meant for you. One of the other things I have loved about teaching yoga is truly learning from my students as much as I'm there to teach I feel like I'm there to just hold space and to allow their inner beauty to shine through and I get to witness that and I just am I can't believe that every time I get to go to yoga and teach that I get paid to witness that magic and be in that presence um and so I used to practice um during my teacher training um I'd take classes that were um, often called sweat and serenity classes or born to fly, you'd be going upside down and, and sweating and um, a more intense physical practice. And since I've begun teaching at a, a different studio, um, I've also gotten to teach students who are maybe a little bit older or maybe don't have a handstand as part of their practice. And it has been so amazing to get to watch um, Last night when I was teaching, I was watching this one woman who's at least in her 50s, and I loved her practice and her tenacity, the way she continues to show up. I would be calling a pose warrior two, and she would literally, in order to get her foot all the way up to the front of the mat, she would grab onto her ankle and sort of move it like, you know, six inches or a foot at a time. And every time I called warrior two, she did that. She didn't give up. And like I said, she comes to that studio all the time. And I'm thinking, you know, as someone who started yoga, me when, when I was 17, um, coming as a gymnast, I don't know that I would have the guts to have walked into a studio and not felt judged or like I didn't belong if I couldn't just easily sweep my foot right to the top of my mat when the teacher called warrior two. Now, as, um, as I'm older and I get to watch this as a teacher, I think it takes so much guts and so much self-love and honoring to show up that way. And I am just so moved by that. And I think it's a reminder that be who you are, that you are always good enough, 
that you are ready, that is take up space in your own way. And your practice does not have to look like someone's, this person's on the mat next to you, as does your path in life. Another thing I have fallen in love with is teaching, again, that restorative yoga class. And the students rest, again, on these cushiony bolsters and blankets for five, ten minutes at a time, holding these deep and gentle poses. And it's supposed to not require any strain or tension to hold yourself up, but the experience of being supported. And I feel like I've learned a few things from this. The first is that, personally, in my own practice, I've realized that feeling supported on my yoga mat, knowing that I'm held, that I can surrender my full weight to the yoga props or to the earth has translated into my life. And so I've noticed the more I do yoga and the more I feel held by the earth beneath my feet in yoga, the more I feel supported in my life, the more I trust the natural unfolding of my existence without doubt or fear. The other thing I love about this is that Every person, of course, their body is a little bit different in what they feel and need in each day. And so as I set each person up um, into their restorative pose, sometimes people need different props than what they have already at their mat. And I love the way my students ask for what they need. I know for me, the first time taking a restorative yoga class or any yoga class, if I felt I needed an extra prop, I would be silent. <laughs> I would never want to bring attention to myself or ask the teacher or make the teacher just, you know, walk a few extra feet to the back of the room to grab an extra blanket for me. And what I love about my students is that they're not afraid to use their voice to ask for what they need. When I ask them if they like an extra blanket or a bolster, they tell me and they really listen to their bodies. They're not afraid to give me a wave and ask for an extra blanket when they're cold to let me cover them with the blanket. And I think that's, again, so powerful, a reminder of using our voices not only on our mat, but in our lives. And that's why, for me, yoga is such a transformative journey, because as much as we're there to practice on our mats for an hour or so at a time, it's what we take, how we take that practice off our mats into our lives that is the most transformative. And the way that these women and men ask for what they need in class feels what love feels like to me. It feels like self-honoring. And it reminds me in my own life to take up space and to ask for what I need, to ask for what supports me. Sometimes in yoga, it's like look down upon if you take blocks or props to help you. Um, and sometimes it's framed as though if you can't reach the floor with your hand, then use a block, like if you can't do something. So it signals that maybe you're not good enough or your practice isn't strong enough. But I find that the person who chooses a prop if and when they need it is the person who's willing to call on what supports them on their mat and in their lives. And that's what we should do because we are so much stronger together. We are stronger in community we are stronger when we use our voice to ask for what we need, to advocate for ourselves. And the last thing I want to touch on today is touch. So this has been um, 
an issue that has confronted me. <laughs> when I first started practice teaching yoga, I used to tease like I'm not going to touch anyone. Um, and it, w- it wasn't because I, you know, didn't, you know, thought they had germs or something like that. I just somehow felt that in order to adjust someone, like as a teacher, to put your hands on someone else's body in a yoga class, you have to feel very confident and stable and your energy has to be pure because they will feel that, the student will feel that when you touch them. And I didn't feel ready to convey that to my students. And so I just didn't want to touch them. But I've begun adding in gentle touch and adjustment into my classes, particularly my restorative classes, touch that offers deeper relaxation. Um, And I found on a personal note that I have really fallen in love with this experience because even as someone laying on their back, as I just gently press their shoulders into the earth, deepening that experience of gravity, I can feel their energy too and that it is a practice of me embodying my own sacred stillness and calm. I've learned that it's so important that I breathe deeply and slowly as I touch someone else. And when I do that, I notice that their bodies begin to breathe deeply and slowly. And so it shows that profound energetic connection that's moving through my hands to their body and from their body into my hands, that we are linked and that that energy is real. The other day, one of my students said to me, she was talking about my adjustments, and she said, I go to yoga to be touched. And, you know, she's an energy healer or worker herself, so she says she uses her hands on other people all the time, but doesn't feel the same thing, you know, doesn't get treated in the same way that she's always offering to her her clients. And she said that we're lacking touch in this society, and that just the simple meeting of hands um, it's sort of an offering of love and a reminder that we are all connected and in community. I feel that I, I love receiving hands-on adjustments in classes when I'm a student. Um, the caveat to this, and that's important to take note of, is that not everyone responds to touch in the same way, and it can be very triggering. And so as much as I have really enjoyed the experience of adjustment, of hands-on adjustment in my yoga class, it always begins, um, I always start these adjustments before I even start with asking for consent. And I let my students know that if they say yes at the beginning of class, they always have the option to say no at any point during class to change their minds and that it's safe and okay to do so and that they will be loved either way. Consent is so important on our yoga mats and in our lives. And so anytime there's touch, it's for me so important to bring that energy of your body, your choice into it. To know that you get to honor you. You get to really listen to what works for you, what your body is feeling, and that you have every right to change your mind at every class and in every moment in every class. I had been putting off recording this podcast for a while. Just there's been a lot going on in my life, um, all in beautiful ways. Um, but because I, I and also I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to say. I knew this yoga experience had been profound for me, um, but all I really wanted to do today was just to share some of those 
little gems, those little moments that have spoken to me as a yoga teacher that I hope can transcend off the mat, that are not just for someone who has done yoga or consistently does yoga or wants to do yoga, but for anyone, the lessons of tenacity and self-love and offering your body what you need and listening to signs in order to find that next healing step for you, to let that naturally unfold from your heart and through divine wisdom and timing. And so if you feel called, maybe this is one more sign for you to go to a yoga studio for the first time or to deepen your practice if you already have one. Maybe it's not. Listen to what feels right for you. I'm just grateful I get to share some of the little moments that have made me smile along the way. I look forward to sharing more in the weeks to come. And as always, I am truly grateful for you taking the time and the attention and offering your presence to me to listen today. I learn just as much from you. So thank you for sharing and listening.